0: Father in heaven, I want to thank you that you have brought us together as your church. Master, I want to pray that you use me as your vessel, and may your word come through me for all of us to know your will for us today. Help us to meditate on your words, help us to know your calling, help us to understand what is it that you ask of us. In Jesus' precious name, we pray in us. Amen. So, is righteousness enough? That is, today, a very important question in our lives, that we need to um, be a little bit more open to ask ourselves, is righteousness enough? So for us to um, sort of answer this question, we first of all need to know, what is righteousness? So if I looked at the dictionary, eh? Dictionary La pata, it says, behavior that is morally right or good especially according to a religion. So behavior, how it is, um, you know, uh, good, bad, does it follow any religion, right? And the feeling that what you're doing is morally acceptable. This is how the dictionary defines righteousness. Now, one question we have to ask ourselves today is, How should we look at our righteousness? So in Ecclesiastes, we read about Abraham and Lot when they separated. So if I talk about Lot, in 2 Peter 2, 7 to 8, it says that uh, Peter says that Lot was a righteous man and he was distressed with whatever that was happening around him and he was rescued at the time. So the question that we have is, or the question that I have, when, I, when the Lord gave me this passage and also the word, um, was that enough to guarantee Lord the crown that the Lord promised? So in the Bible, the Lord what a very righteous person, a very good person, right? So the question uh, in the Bible, uh, uh, you know, in the passage of to actually sit in the Lord's table. Uh, so it's a very um, um, thought-provoking uh, subject for us to deal with a little bit. And um, I want to be able to share uh, what the Lord has put in my heart when I was preparing this. So today, the same question we ask us huh, what about us? If we apply the definition of righteousness, huh, if we obey law and we are very fair, we are very civic minded, we are very active in church, right? When we say active in church, that means we come for all the activities that take place in church. You know, we are the first one probably to sweep the church, clean up the church. You know, when people are praying, we participate in the prayer. When um, we are asked to do some charity work, we do. When we want, are asked to prepare coffee, we do. When we are asked to get involved in children ministry, we do this and that. Does all this activity, you know, takes us closer to God or just defines us as someone who's righteous because we actually, you know, very active in doing what we think is right? Or, you know, the third one, generally a good guy loved by all. You know, we all like to hear, whether in work environment, in church, or in office, or in home, people or among friends, that to be said, you uh, this is a, you uh, know, generally a very good guy. Is that good enough for us, right? Those are some things that we need to ask ourselves. So like I said, uh, um, is it good enough for us? Does it make us righteous? Does it even mean we attain the crown of eternal life? Those are questions uh, that the Lord put in my heart when I was preparing this. And it's something that we need to think how to answer this. So the, the passage that we read today, uh, in a particular passage, is about how Abraham and Lord decided to separate and Abraham and Lot, from Genesis 11 to probably around Genesis 22, 23, um, we get a lot of things of what Lord did, uh, Abraham did, that can teach us about this question. Is righteousness enough? So, um, it started, we can see from the separation, uh, What actually happened? So I want to spend a little bit of time just to talk about separation and then we go into what Lord and Abraham, looking at Lord and Abraham and see what we can pick up, right? So separation, it's not avoidable, unavoidable, it's unavoidable. Because we are separated from the Lord, right? If we are full of sin, we are separated from the Lord. Um, If you talk about a mother and a baby, when it's born, uh, the mother and the baby is tied through the umbilical cord. I'm sure parents, when we go for the scan and all, we will see that the umbilical cord that is uh, tying the mother to the child while it's in the womb. When the baby is born, they will cut the umbilical cord as a way to indicate also it separates physically, and that separation is required for both to survive, right? Right? I'm sure the doctors may agree. Yeah, um, you know. Similarly, if you look at different parts of our walks of our life, which is the part and the separation, must have right. So, judiciary and executive power it needs to be separated in a true democracy. If we never separate, you know, the mix and match can cause a country to be in chaotic situation. To a certain extent, we have gone through those phases in our country as well. Um, wheat is separated from shaft. If we don't separate the wheat from shaft, the wheat is not useful, right? Student needs to separate from the master. Bible um, Even Jesus, our apostle, the panel, then up to the to be separated for him, from him for them to start doing their ministry, to get them ready for the separation that they're going to have with him. So, you know, in many ways, we cannot avoid separation. In our life, separation is something that's unavoidable. So in Abraham and Lot, before they separated, Lot was, you know, always happy. You can say he's happy. Um, You know, the, the, the true situations of what happened in both their lives were not visible so, but entrepreneurs separate Panona life a life and he goes in a very different part. one became a very blessed one he was called the father of the faithful he was the father of many nations and another one became the father of the Moabites and Ammonites and turned into a very downtrodden life so for us um, it's good if we try to understand why the different end, the Bible says Lord is a righteous person. But they still ended up in a very different direction when they separated, right? So the question in our lives today is righteousness alone enough? So let me share with you something on Abra- uh, sorry, on Lord. We need to know the background first if we want to understand this a little bit further. You can find about Lot from Genesis 11 to 14, then chapter 19, Deuteronomy 2.9, it speaks a little bit on Lot, um, you know, the situation it was there during that time in Sodom and Gomorrah. Luke 17, 28, 32, it talks about uh, Lot fleeing, and 2 Peter 2, 7, 8, where where I shared just now. So in the another you can actually find about Lot so in the map, this is a very important map. So this map, uh, if you notice, this is Ur-, Ur of the Chaldeans. And this is Haran. And this is where roughly the Canaan Ken- land is. And this is where battle and all is, right? So in Lot is the son of Haran. Haran is the brother of Abraham and Nahor. And grand- Lot's grandfather is Terah. So when he decided to move from Ur of Chaldeans, he wanted to actually, if you read the Bible, it says he wanted to go to Canaan. That's what Terah had in mind. But he settled in Haran, right? And what is this, when, when I read through and when I was preparing the Ur, this land of Ur, it's not just some desert town, or it's just not some small town. During that period, Ur is a very wealthy city, and it is a city that is known for knowledge. That means Terah, Abraham, um, Lot, the Ur they are not people who are stayed in caves, no. They are people with wealth, and they are people with the knowledge of that time. So that means they are very knowledgeable people, and they stayed in Haran. So I don't know why the place is called Haran. The Bible never mentioned. Maybe Terah decided to name the place Haran after the Lord's father who passed away in Ur. So when Lot actually followed Terah and Abraham, his father was not there. So he was raised up by Abraham and also his grandfather. right? Lot followed Abraham. So Terah when they did, he settled in Haran even though he wanted to go to the Canaan. Most likely the Bible doesn't say why, but we can only guess maybe he was very old, he was very sick, he couldn't take the travel, and they decided to settle in Haran. So when Terah passed on, you know, the Lord gave the word to Abraham and said, you know, time for you to go. I'm going to give you the land of Canaan. I'm going to bless you with your people. So Terah, Abraham um, Haran He gave him the first. Uh, message, leave. I'm going to make you into a big nation. So, Lord, uh, Abraham, Lord followed him. Canaan, he also followed. Then, Egypt, because of um, the, the drought in Canaan, he also followed. Right? And um, they separated in the passage because of the property, of the wealth is so big, uh, they cannot fit each other there anymore. Suti Kuti narea enemies and. they still wanted to separate because their wealth was so big and they couldn't get along anymore, they their people. So Lord Namapata, he chose the land beside Sodom and Gomorrah. So I have a feeling when I was preparing this and I looked at the notes and everything. choose panarna. one is he, he is from a um, environment where he's wealthy. That's what Ur is about. It's a very wealthy city and a city full of knowledge. So he maybe looked at his past. So I want to go back to that type of living uh, near city where there's a lot of wealth. There's a lot of, uh, you know, comfort like what I used to have in Ur. Maybe that's why he chose. And also he wanted to prosper further, maybe, right? Apera Lord, they they captured him. And they took him out. And the one who rescued him was Abraham. Sodom, he was potentially a town leader. Normally, when we read the Old Testament and all, we'll see in the cities, the leaders of the city are the ones that normally sit in the gate. They sat around there. So potentially, he might be a leader in Sodom. And um, he was the father of Moab and Ammonites. And if you read Genesis 19, you'll find that Moab and Ammonites are born, raised born out of an incest relationship, right? So, but the Bible says he's righteous. So, I wanted to um, share also, how do I see Lot as a person? Huh? Lord one um, day, the Bible never said he led really anything. Bible, um, Pata, what happened around him and all, he's a floater. We'll never make any decision. will sit, wait and see what the next fellow is going to do and follow, right? I used to have some very good friends huh, um, in my first working place. I, it always amazed me, these two guys. You know, they, they used to work very closely with me. One fuller, he bought his house in Sanway Damansara. The other fuller also bought. He just bought in the same row, few houses away. And one fuller, he loves, he loves big bikes, so he bought. So the next fuller also bought the big bike. So this fuller changed his bike. This fellow also changed the bike. So there are, there are people like that you know, in life, even today, who float, who just follow whatever people do. And Lot was something like that. He just floated. And um, he was never decisive. Huh? He never had sense of purpose. So nga comfortable he go. Where the environment is, he let the environment shape him. That was very obvious because his daughters was willing to do have an incestuous relationship with him, which is probably what was happening in Sodom and Gomorrah at that time. And they were not f- had any fear of the Lord at all. Right? He never built an altar to the Lord. In the Bible Lord kadela he never have stopped. Worship the Lord or build an altar to the Lord. right There was never really a, a relationship with Lord uh, with the Lord. he may have not gone to Sodom. Wealth and past comfort led him to choose Sodom. so he enjoyed the wealth he had, the prosperity he had and everything. Slow to react when angels came, no reverence or fear for the God for God. the uh, namapata the angels came in the evening. They wanted to drag him and say, you follow me, don't stay, Uh, you need to leave and all. And they warned him that night itself, uh, when the the crowd was gathering in front of his home and all. In Genesis 19.15, it says, with the coming of the dawn. They're still in the town, they have not left. So they didn't really even have that much of fear for what the Lord has actually given him to say, leave. I'm going to destroy this place. And the he didn't. He left. The angel basically had to drag him out and his family. So that shows that comfort he had in Sodom is something that was reluctant to let go. Reacted to God's warning um, very slowly. We can read that. That's what I mentioned. Drunk on wine till he had no awareness and the Daughters actually took advantage, made him drunk. They had an incestuous relationship with him, and gave birth to Moab and Ammonites, who eventually became uh, the enemies of the Lord. In Joshua, when they were when the Israelites were going through, the Lord gave a verse not to destroy the Moabites, right? Only for one reason. It's not about the Lord. It's about the future because Ruth comes from Moabite, and she's the one um, paternal parent for David and in the line of Jesus. That's the only reason Moabite was not destroyed. It was nothing to do with Lot. So, and then if you look at it this way, right, um, the only righteous act that he did was he protected the God's angel and believed them. That saved his life only. So Sodom Pomodom, he was a very rich man, When he left Sodom, wife gone. Wife is a pillar of salt. Um, You know, the son-in-laws refused to follow him, think he was joking. The daughters came with him and end up in a very downtrodden life, a life of sin at the end, right? So the righteousness in the Bible that Peter mentioned was referring to only this portion. So most of us are sometimes like that, including myself. We are righteous on certain occasions, we are righteous on certain acts, but there may be enough things that we are not doing right in our lives that can drag us away, just like what happened to Lot. So it's something for us to think about. So, you know, if I were to ask these three questions to myself, huh, what did Lot miss? What blinded Lot? Where did Lot go wrong? So rather than giving the answer directly, I thought it might be a Better way, if you look at Abraham. Let's be aware, Abraham also is not a very perfect guy. Uh, He has his faults as well, right? So, but let's just look through Abraham's life, our Abram, before he became Abraham. He was called out from Haran with a promise. The Lord gave him the promise. I'm going to make you a nation. Come out, follow me. Then he spoke again in Moreh and he built an altar for the Lord. In Genesis 12, 7, it says. So that means there is reverence for the Lord. He was communicating with the Lord. And Bible apata he called on the name of the Lord. That's what it says. No? Even in battle, it says very clearly, he called on the name of the Lord. So call means you cannot be quiet. So if I call somebody here, I have to speak out loud. So it shows that, Abraham spoke to the Lord loudly and called on him. In Jewish Bible, the Lord is defined as Adonai. He kept called him Adonai, Lord. So he acknowledged he's his servant. He acknowledged I serve you. He acknowledged I receive your word. But he spoke and called on the Lord loudly. That shows conviction to what the Lord has called him. The first time he sinned, was when he ran to Egypt and did not ask God, "What should I do in Canaan when there is famine?" Anga Sarah is my sister, not my wife, and the king Pharaoh actually took Sarah into his harem. And um, you know, when the, the when the Pharaoh found out, he literally chased him away. You know, so he may have made his money there. He may, may have made his uh, uh, wealth and all that with Lot, but he came with a very big notch in his personal life where he actually uh, cheated another man. He, he allowed his wife to be taken to another man's harem, and he did not revere the Lord at that point. And the reason he was chased away from Egypt was because the Lord... Chased him away out to bring him back to where he needs to start. So, number Genesis 13:3, la pata, he returned back to where he needed to be. battle So, on the, it's like a reset button in Abraham's life, and he called on the name of the Lord again, and he lived in Canaan. So, Genesis 13:12, that one is um, he lived in Canaan, and um, God affirms his promise again in Genesis 13. 14, so God and him spoke again. He built another altar in Mamre and he worshipped and called on the name of the Lord. Then when he had the war with the king of Sodom, sorry, when he had the war with the enemies of Sodom, who took Lot away and everything, whatever he got, the possession, everything, uh, he gave away the tent to Melzidak who was a high priest in. Um, during that time, a high priest for the Lord. So, when he gave away that, the tent, that is actually honoring the Lord for his victory. So, he, you know, he learned this lesson huh, in Egypt that you cannot, whatever possession he has, everything still belongs to the Lord. And he, and he learned it and he actually gave the tent, this one. Um, when Sodom said, King of Sodom said, You take everything here. All this property is yours. You can take all this gold is yours. He said, Take. He rejected a sinful booty. So he knows that it's sinful to yoke with someone who's already in sin. right? Then in Genesis 15, he had a vision and a conversation with God. Yeah? Not everybody is going to have a conversation with God like him. And that shows that he and God had a very personal relationship. Then they gave, he got his covenant of circumcision 24 years later after he was called out. So immediately Varla, So after 24 years, when he was 99, and a year later Isaac was born. So he had to be waiting with the Lord, hearing the Lord speak to him a few times about the plan He's going to, you know, um, um, going to bless him as a nation, going to give him the land. Immediately narikala urutnal vrsheon kalshigoda. Adhikapro, um, Isaac was born. Adhikapro, another few more generations before Israel became a land that belonged to the generations of Abram. Yeah? So it shows God works His plan, but it works on His time. When God came and spoke to him in Genesis 18, uh, um, 18 if you look at chapter 18, verse 1, uh, when the Lord came, uh, Abraham was supposed to be sitting in front of his tent. Um, Lord, one day when he saw the angels coming, uh, he took his own time, or he didn't have that urgency to go and welcome the angels. But number 18, chapter 18, verses 1 to 2, we saw there was urgency in Abraham to welcome them. So that shows there is urgency in Abraham's life to the Lord to the Lord's work. So you know that is. Something amazing, huh? even by the action of how they do, how they move, it shows the urgency, whether they have things of urgency to do for the Lord. And during this whole chapter 18, uh, you can see that he actually pleads for Sodom. You know, Will you rescue the city? And so on and so on. So it shows that he's, he knows how to be He is very humble when he asks this. And he knows that he has a right to ask the Lord. And he can only have that if he has a relationship with the Lord. Um, In chapter 15, like I said, he's not a perfect man. He was tempted again. When he met Abimelech, he played the same trick to say, Sarah is my sister. So this time, before Abraham got to the worst, because he has a very personal relationship with the Lord, the Lord intervened. Straight away give Abimelech a dream to say, don't touch this man's wife. It's his wife. You know, let him go. He will bless you, da-da-da, this and that. You can read about it in uh, Genesis 20. So this time, the Lord intervened. So sometimes in our lives also, um, when our relationship with the Lord is right, and sometimes our temptation pulls us one way, the Lord puts his handbrake and pulls us back. You, 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 I'm sure all of us can give testimony to that, witness to that so that that relationship with the lord is a very very important factor then genesis 21 a son is born the Kameleon continue continued but i took up to here for abram just to compare with lot so to answer this question the best way is we compare abram and lot so lot was given was said to be righteous in the bible which is fair abram on the other hand was a righteous man. He was also known as father of faith. He was very faithful, even with his faults, and he had an intimate relationship with the Lord, right? So I think the one thing we can say, compare number one, there was no intimacy with God, no relationship with God, no urgency and centering of life around God. That is Lord. He worshipped the Lord. Even with all his trouble, he never called on the Lord. We have never seen uh, any passage that says he has taken time to even build an altar for the Lord. That shows in his life, there was no centering of God. So he was a floater in many ways. Uh. Today, if you are a floater and we are following someone who is close to the Lord and has a relationship to the Lord and say, I will just do what he does. If he prays, I praise. If he does some charity work, I do some charity work. If he does social work, I will do social work. If he does this, I will do this. If he does this in church, I will just follow. So, is just like Lord. There's no, no personal relationship with God. You cannot follow someone. You and I cannot follow someone just because that person is close to the Lord. It needs to be personal, it needs to be individual. So I think the biggest difference in Abraham's life is he had a life that was centred in worshipping the Lord, he had an urgency for the Lord, and he was intimate with the Lord. So that made a lot of difference to Abraham, even when he sinned, the Lord was able to pull him back. He failed to worship the Lord, this is very clear in the Bible. We cannot find anywhere Lord worship the Lord. Whereas Abraham, on the other hand, he built many altars, worship, and call on the name of the Lord. I've, I find when I read, prepared this, huh, the calling on the name of the God was very, um, hit me hard. Even if we pray, you know, sometimes we pray silently, we pray um, um, in groups and all, how much time do we put just to call on the name of the Lord? That the Lord is our provider, the Lord is righteous, the Lord is merciful, the Lord is full of gracious, just praying by worshipping His name and calling on His name. That's what Abram did here. And he did it when, we, when it said call, there is no way he could have done it in his heart. He has to be loud enough for his entire household to hear. That shows the type of relationship and conviction he had in the Lord. Munau um, God was not in his corner because he never called on the Lord. He never had a relationship with the Lord. How can God be in his corner? I believe God rescued him also in out of uh, Sodom was because of Abram's uh, pleading. And the angels were sent there to see whether the Lord is worth rescuing or not. And because he protected the angels, and that was considered righteous for him to be rescued. Um, Whereas in the case of Abraham, God was in his corner even when he strayed. So when he almost did the same thing he did in Egypt with Sarah, with Abimelech, the Lord put a dream in Abimelech's dream, uh, put a vision in Abimelech's dream and rescued Abraham from doing the wrong thing again. That is because he had that relationship. So I'm sure all of us can testify when we are tempted and we fall into the temptation. Before we take the next foot and make the wrong decision, the Lord has pulled us out from it because of that relationship. He failed to learn from Abram or Terah on being a leader. God provided the opportunity. For me, I find very interesting. Um, Father passed on, but he had a very strong grandfather Can take the entire family and set out with a vision to go to Canaan. On top of that, Adakah uh, Pro Abram also, he was that leading him. But in the period we spent with Terra, Abram, Abram, Terra could the period, he never picked any good leadership character from them. Ada uh, and the floater or the issue. And some people call speaker, some people call the echo of another person. Uh, I'm sure you can see now cabinets, a lot of time is like that. Uh. You have a lot of echoes of ministers just echoing what the PM says. Very seldom you really have some ministers with their own opinions. So these are floaters that maybe, I don't know, wants to sit there and enjoy something and don't want to do something even though they're not right. I'm sure you would have read in one MDB case, suddenly all the ministers turning around and saying, you know, Najib did everything, I didn't know anything. Those are floaters. La. When you had a chance, you could have said something, you didn't. right? So... I'm sure in our lives, we would have seen many people like that. And a lot is not different. And to me, this is a big warning for us. So in a church community, we see a lot of people. We learn a lot of things from a lot of people. We cannot just float. Even in our working environment, we see people. We learn from them. We cannot float. We need to pick something from them and learn and move. So in the separation, lot can happen. Yeah, this is where I think Abraham also stands up. He learned with every opportunity God gave him. When he was under the fa- father, I'm sure he learned enough from the wa- father that when the father passed away, and the he knew how to take his household to Canaan, to Egypt, to come back to Egypt, uh, so to Canaan and move around in Canaan. So that to me is um, some something for us to think about as well. Um, Prosperity and comfort and past directed his decision. So under separation time, uh, Abram is older than Lot. So up uh, when Lot said, Sodom's uh, side because it's all green, everything. Um, Abram as the older man can say, uh, He didn't. He said, okay, never no mind you go. I will go to Canaan. So that to me and the Ejilah Patta dealer, I think Abram came to his senses to trust the Lord fully, to say that let the Lord take me where he wants, He will know what to do with. And whenever in, in the case of Lot, uh, very clear prosperity led that decision. So Nam uh, let's say we have an opportunity uh, to go and work in a different place because somebody has offered us a 40 percent increase. Or you know somebody said, "Leave this, come and work for me. Um, you will have an opportunity to make more. So under prosperity, of follow panah. we may end up like Lord. You, you know you never know. The career decisions, the universities that you want to go, the, the places that you want to mix, the places you want to do your work, everything." Number one thing we have to realise, uh, God's kingdom is in work everywhere. So the one prayer or one ask that we should do with the Lord is, take me where you want to do your kingdom's work, then all other things will follow. That's what the Lord taught us. So Lord didn't do that. He chased after prosperity. saw the green, but because he's so short-sighted, he didn't realise the Jordan is going into the Dead Sea, or Uperia Lake. The lake is, um, you know, whatever is around the Dead Sea is actually not very healthy. And in when you go, um, you know, so it may look pleasant on the short distance, but on the longer run, it may not be so when we go after prosperity. And the very famous saying, the grass is, uh, you know, when people say the grass is greener, always on the other side, it may not be true. That's the case with Lot. Whereas Abram trusted Lot completely. I put that except that two times when he went to Egypt and Abimelech's case, right? But what is good is for the second time at the same mistake, the Lord pulled him back because he had that personal relationship with Lord that he relied on. Yoke knowingly with sinners, never flat temptation. And the time Sodom, not to say Lord didn't know, they all knew Sodom and Gomorrah is a very famous place for sin. Uh, all types of wrong things you can potentially think of happening was happening. But he still went there because he was willing to yoke doing the wrong things and never fled his temptation because he was going after prosperity. Yeah. When you know I shared with you how Abraham dealt with King of Sodom, he shunned knowing sinners. And the last one, I think one thing we have to realize for us is nobody is perfect. Abraham has it fault, but what rescued him from his fault and he was never a perfect man was the personal relationship with the Lord. So, you know, we have to ask ourselves these questions. Huh? Our journey with the Lord it's not about attaining perfection because we will never attain eternal life, the crown, the feast at the table by being perfect. We will only attain those through his grace, mercy and the personal relationship with him. So, you know, some things for us to think about today. What I like to leave with everyone today to think about, what is very clear from Lord's life, being righteous is not enough. So, I'm not an activity vegetarian, I'm very righteous, I can be part of the Lord's kingdom, there is a table, there is a place for me in the feast of the Lord. If we start thinking like that, let's check our thoughts. It's not enough. So don't judge ourselves by saying I'm righteous because I help in the ministry. I, When they call me to pray, I pray. When I'm asked to serve in the church, I serve. When I'm asked to do some compassionate activities, social concern, environment protection, in work, all this I do. So I'm a righteous person. I obey law so well, I never speed more than 110 on the highway, so I'm a very righteous person. So, you know, sometimes we may think like that. That's not enough. We need that intimacy and relationship with God. So what I can learn about the intimacy or what I can share with all of us and the intimacy with God, looking at Abraham is this. Reconcile, come back to God, come back again and again and again and again. When we fall to the temptation, that doesn't mean our reconciliation, our intimacy with the Lord is over. We need to come back again. So number, some of the challenges in our lives, when one time we sin, and we find what we did is very wrong, our tendency is we shy away from God, thinking God will never accept me back. So another, when we start accumulating, we keep moving away and away and away again. Uh, That's not what we can learn from Abraham's life. He has sinned, he's not perfect, he has also done a lot of wrong things, but he always come back to the Lord, worship the Lord, call on his name and reconcile. So that's our challenge today. Can we come back again and again and again to the Lord? Two, call and worship on God. I think when we want to experience the personal relationship with God, Uh, He has provided, He has protected He has been merciful, He has been graceful He has has given us things that we never expected He has healed us, He has comforted us He has done a lot of things These are the names of the Lord We should call by when we glorify and praise Him So if if God has provided for you something Or for me, we should call Him God of Providence And call Him out loud what Abraham did. Know him personally. How do you know him personally? If you look through the Bible, all the writings in the Bible is written by a someone, a prophet, or an evangelist, if you want to call Paul an evangelist, if you want to call the minor prophets, prophets who bring bad news, or however you want to call it but it's because they had a personal relationship with the Lord. The Lord spoke through them. So the Bible is actually, from beginning to end, is a personal relationship of someone with the Lord that has been written here for us to know about the Lord. So if we want to know Him personally, reading the Bible alone is not. Um, it tells us about the Lord, but for us to actually enjoy that personal relationship We need to be able to translate um, that relationship by by, by being able to do things He asks us to do, by being obedient, by listening to His voice that comes from the Word, comes from prayer, comes from people around us in the church and when the Holy Spirit speaks. So when that happens, when we start doing what He asks us to do, that becomes our personal relationship with the Lord and I'm sure we can write our own journal that may seem like our own Bible of what we have experienced with the Lord. So, so that, that knowing him personally is very important. And lastly, he submit to his leadership. Abraham's life, if we see Engeo accept that two situations, where Ingeo, he has never gone against the Lord. He just keeps following what the Lord asked him to do. Lord say, move, move. Lord say, this is your area, this is your area. Go survey the land. Up to where your eyes can see, north, south, left, right, eat, that it belongs to you, he did it. So that's what we need to do as well, right? Submit to his leadership. So what can I share with you from Abram's life, that intimacy, what it gave him? Number one, the obedience to him becomes very natural. So even we get tempted away, the Lord will pull us back because we have that personal relationship. We have to trust that personal relationship. We have to build on it. We have to nudge, nurture it. We have to you know, allow it to uh, grow and impact us and others as well. So, And, and I'm very sure when we uh, have that intimate relationship, obedience becomes so easy. It's like riding a bicycle. Number two, his plan for us in his kingdom work. He speaks to us. Abraham's life, Every time the Lord spoke, He showed the future, the plan He has for Abram. Ade Marda he will share the plan, but we need to speak to him. and we can only speak to him when we go back to the word, when we pray, when we engage, when we speak to the Lord. Muna, his favor will rest on us and around us. So Ad very, very clear in Abram's life. He was just a, a nomad, huh? nomad herd, herder. He has not; he's not an army, but he managed to defeat a couple of kings and rescue Lot, uh, a nomad, no, and just a shepherd can actually do that. Two, um, we also can see, Lord's favor rested on Abimelech, and he rescued Abram from doing the wrong thing again. So. So that intimate relationship with the Lord will open many favors for us and those around us for Him to do the work, His kingdom work through us. Now, Nalaud, accompanying His work brings, uh, sorry, accomplishing His work brings us blessing on blessing. I'm sure Yaro Ngandata cannot come and give testimony and say that because I did the Lord's work, I got worse off everybody will come here and give a testimony because I did the Lord's work. I had my, you know, promotion. He blessed me in ways that I didn't see. He allowed me to, you know, uh, buy different types of assets, change my car, change my house. My kids are blessed. They have good health. They are doing very well in school. You know, I'm able to help others. We have only good things to share as blessings when we actually accomplish His work for Him. Lastly, I'm sure with intimacy and doing, being obedient to him, being righteous comes uh, naturally. And that intimacy and his grace and his, um, you know, that relationship we ha- have with him will crown us and allow us to sit in his feast in the days to come or in the end days. So again, um, I want to challenge all of us, huh, including myself, and ask this question. How intimate are we today with the Lord? What's our level of intimacy? Are we close enough to the Lord? Or do we have a relationship with the Lord like Abram, that he has pulled us out from times of trouble, times when we wanted to hurt ourselves by going the wrong direction, blessed us, provided for us, shared his plan for us, you know, build other people around us through us? So those are questions that we should ask ourselves and, you know, ask how and how are we going to be intimate with the Lord and how do we get close to Him? I think that's the Lord's challenge for us all today. So let's bow our head in prayer uh, as we close. Father in heaven, I want to thank you for this wonderful time And thank you for your Call for us To be intimate with you, Master We are not perfect, Master And we have learned from Abram He too is not perfect But because of his, of, your, of his Intimate relationship With you, Master You have shared your plan for him, plans With him You have shared his, the kingdom work with him You have blessed him and you have blessed others through him, Master. And We come to you not as perfect people too, Master, and ask that allow us to have that intimacy with you as you invite us to be intimate with you. Help us to come closer to you, to do your kingdom's work, to know you as our Father, to know you as our Abba, that you will share your plans you have for us, and it will be a blessing to many and accomplish your kingdom's work. In Jesus' precious name, we pray in us. Amen.